and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today, and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. So this morning I've titled the sermon, Living Your Life on Purpose. Living Your Life on Purpose. Uh, how many know people that have been committed, have resolve in, in whatever they've chosen to do, whether it's a career, whether it's a sports athlete, they're committed. There is no giving up halfway. There is no uh, halfway, you know, I mentioned last week, you can't just uh, step in the water and not get wet. You're going to get wet. You, you, you got to commit to certain things, right? And that should be all of us. When we do something, when we pledge something, we're committed. We're committed. And this morning, as I talked to you about living your life on purpose, I want you to get that, uh, that we need to be committed in our life. And uh, it will go well with you when you are committed. Amen? Amen. So we're still at the beginning of a new year. Uh, by a show of hands, you don't, have to, you don't have to, but by a show of hands, how many set out to do a resolution this year? Something in their life this year. Raise your hand if you said, this year I'm going to do whatever it is. You don't have to tell me what it is, but raise your hand if you made a resolution. Nobody here. One person, a couple people. So most of us, at times, will make a resolution. Uh, and for, for a lot of us, we know it's the same ones. This is the year I'm really going to get in shape. I'm going to hit the health club. But, you know, how many know that health club memberships in January spike up? By March, they're empty. Nobody sticks with it. There's no commitment to their program. And living your life on purpose means committing to whatever it is that, that God has called you to do. Everybody say this with me. I have a gift from God. I have a gift from God. Whether you recognize that today or not, you have a gift from God. We can see Brother Dan Garcia's gift up here as he plays the guitar. That's easy to see. But every one of you have a gift, whether it's up here on stage or not. You have a gift. And all of us, whatever gift that is, we need to be committed to it. Amen? Amen. So... Most of us make resolutions or, or make choices for our life that will bring about positive change. And that's the whole point of resolutions in, our, in the beginning of this year, especially. The problem with most resolutions is that they tend to be choices regarding the little things in life and not the most important things in life. I mean, it's, it's great if I lose 10 pounds or 20 pounds or whatever that number might be, but yet if... If I'm spending money left and right, and I'm going to be bankrupt within six months, you know, there, there's got to be a, a, a realization of what's most important. Amen? There's got to be a realization of what is most severe in my life. What do I need to pay attention to? And one of the, one of the things that we recognize, especially again at the beginning of the year, is resolutions aren't accomplished just by sheer willpower. How many have figured that out? Your sheer willpower is not going to give you, get you to break up the habit of cigarettes. It's very tough to do, sheer willpower. It's not going to help you uh, giving up alcohol, if that's it, or not giving, uh, giving you the power to give up chocolate sometimes. It's hard to give up all that stuff just on sheer willpower. That's why the Lord said he wants to come alongside you, walk with you, be the strength that you need every day of your life. Amen? And that's why we need him in our life. And... So what I'm trying to say is willpower does not work alone. We need other things in our life. 
And what I want to talk to you this morning is about four life-shaping resolutions, resolutions that will help you in and radically change the way you look at your commitment. Amen? Now, your life will be so much better if you focus on these. I guarantee you, if you focus on these four resolutions. But we're going to look at, in Hebrews chapter 11, if you'll turn there, this is the faith chapter. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at the life of Moses very briefly. And how many, how many remember the life of Moses? He was born as, as a Hebrew child. And it just so happened, while you're turning to Hebrews chapter 11, it just so happened that at the time he was born in Egypt, the Pharaoh made a decree and he said, every male Hebrew Israelite baby is to be thrown into the Nile River. Every male baby. And, <clears throat> excuse me, it was becoming so that the, the Israelites were becoming great number and he was afraid of them. And so he said, every single male baby born Throw him in the Nile River. And so here's Moses born, and his mother didn't want to do that. You know the story. She put him in a basket, and, and he grew actually for about three months up until uh, she couldn't hide him no longer. And the Bible says she pushed him down in a basket into the river and prayed for that child. How many know that she was trusting God right there? She put her trust in God. Amen. I know none of us here could ever, ever contemplate doing something like that. But she did that. And, and the Bible says she watched and she watched. And then lo and behold, that basket ends up by the Pharaoh's da uh, daughter, right? And she sees, she sees the basket right there, tells, tells uh, her servants, bring that basket in. And then cares for that baby and says, go get one of the Hebrew women to nurse this baby and she goes and grabs Moses' mother. I mean, that, if that's not a God thing, I don't know what is right there. God, when you put your trust in him, he has complete control of the situation. And, and I mean, when she saw that and, and, and Moses' mother had the privilege to be able to feed her baby, raise her baby, essentially, what a blessing that must have been from letting that baby go and saying, Lord, I trust you, to now the baby coming back to her. I mean, what a blessing. We can't, even, we can't even make that stuff up. Only God can do that. Amen. And so she, Moses' mother, had a resolve. She was determined that nothing bad was going to happen to this child. She said, Lord, I'm trusting you in this situation. You need to take care of this situation. And, and the Lord came through. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 11, I want to pick it up in verse 23. This is known as the great faith chapter. The great faith chapter. And in verse 23, I want to read a few verses. Starting in verse 23, it says this. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was, a looking, he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Let's pray this morning. 
Father God, we ask your blessings now upon your word. And Lord, I pray, uh, give us anointing this morning. Give us understanding of your word as we open our hearts, Father. May we receive what you have for us this morning. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. 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 Well, how many know and love that story of Moses right there? I mean, there's so many wonderful stories. And I touched on the story of Saul, Paul, last week. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. This one here is another amazing, miraculous story. How God provides. God can take seemingly a a situation filled with despair and tragedy, looming tragedy, and all of a sudden turn that into a miracle. I mean... It's amazing what your God can do if you trust Him. And, and the problem is we need to step out in faith. That's how He got His name in the book of faith right there, the Hebrews chapter 11. And, and He had an amazing, or the mother of Moses had an amazing amount of faith. But the four life-changing resolutions I want to talk to you about this morning, number one is refuse to be defined by others. And I want to talk to you about what that means, but God did not make you to be what others think you should be. Let me say that again. God did not make you or create you to be what others think you ought to be. In other words, half the time we grow up and we live in society, we're trying to live and impress other people rather than be ourselves. Most of the time, and it's especially true as a young child, you know, especially for middle school kids and then high school kids. They're trying to fit in this mold of who they think they're supposed to be because all their friends are like that. And it doesn't click until much later, if ever. Sometimes I, I speak to adults that they never had a clue who they should be. They're, they're just trying to be who, who society tells them to be. Amen. And if we're not careful, society is going to shape your view on who you should be. Amen. God created you uniquely. Just as Dan pointed out the snowflakes and the fingerprints, there is not another Wayne in this world. And aren't you thankful for that? Amen. I wish there actually, honestly, I wish there were more Waynes in this world. But there is another, not another Wayne identical to him in this world. There might be another person that might resemble him somewhere and... uh, But there is not another Wayne in this world. And that's why God makes us so unique, because he loves us. He has a plan for each and every one of us. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we have to ask ourselves at some point, who am I? Who am I? And, And unfortunately, sometimes we don't figure that out as adults, some of us, until we're in our late 30s, 40s, even 50s sometimes, because, you know, life, life happens. You know, some, some people, they go through divorces and, or, or life's tragedies, and life happens. And, and we're bouncing from one thing to another, and we're trying to figure out who we are. Lord, who did you create me to be is the question you need to be asking. Who did you create me to be? And the unfortunate truth is that most people are living a lie. They're not who they should be. They're who they think their friends think they should be. Does that make sense? They're living a lie. And you can talk to somebody, you know, have a five-minute conversation, and you can really get a gist of if that person is just full of hot air. And, Wait, that doesn't sound like you. And you can tell right away. You can tell, at least I can. And we got to knock off trying to impress people. Be who you are, amen? Be who you are. And, and, and as a believer... 
God has called you to a higher standard. I'm just telling you that right now. God has called you to a higher standard if you are a believer. The, the ways of this world are not the ways of God. How many know that? Amen? And, and so we need to live our life on purpose. My question for you this morning is, who are you letting determine your identity? Who are you letting determine your identity? Are you allowing the, the people at your workplace? Are you allowing society to tell you who you are? Think for yourself. Think for yourself. Is it your family, your, your friends, your parents, your, your brothers, your sisters, your co-workers that are telling you who you should be? Some of you still hear in your head your parents telling you, and hopefully your parents didn't tell you this, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never grow up to be anything. You're always going to be this. Hopefully none of you had to hear that, but there may be somebody, maybe it was a boss at work, maybe it was a supervisor at some point, told you you could never do that. And, and the simple truth is, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? You are God's child. Don't ever allow anybody to tell you that you cannot do something. Amen? You can do it. Here, here uh, the scripture in Romans, and I want to read Romans 12 too. It's in your notes. This is from a paraphrased version. It, it says it differently in the NIV, but I like this version here. It says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. That's amazing because the world will try to squeeze you and form you into who you think you should be, how you think you should believe, because that's how they see things. But we got to be set free of the fear of disapproval. That's really what drives us to think that way, to think how society wants us to think. We're, we're, we're going to have a, a, a fear of, of disapproval in our life. People won't approve of us. We won't have any friends. They'll think I'm whacked out, jacked up, and, and all those other things, right? If, if we truly respond how we, how we were created to be, amen? So when you know who you are, it sets you free from the fear of disapproval. How many are, well, you don't have to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. How many are, are free from fear of disapproval? How many are comfortable in their own skin to who you are today in Christ? And, and, and I want that question to resound in your mind because if I were to ask every one of you one-on-one, uh, I'd be surprised if everybody here said, yeah, I'm comfortable in my skin. I, I, I know who I am, Pastor. I know who I am. I'd be surprised if everybody here said, yeah, I know that. Many of you are still questioning that. I know that. Many of you still long to hear from God who you are. Well, the Lord does have a purpose and a plan for you, and He wants to have you live that life on purpose. Your life, not anybody else's life, your life, your life. Amen? So here's the thing here. Here's a key to success here. A real success in life is when you are exactly who you are created to be. Real success in life is when you are exactly who you were created to be. Be who God made you to be. That's all the Lord wants, because until you get to that point, God really can't start working in your life. He's, he's wanting to fill this vessel right here, you. But if you're over here or over there, not 
not being the person God designed you to be, he can't fill you. He's trying to say, uh, I'm trying to fill this vessel, but you're over here trying to live life this way. I need to fill you when you're right here where I create you, you to be. Amen? And then it's not until that point that we begin to understand, okay, Lord, I get it. Um, all the things that I feel internally, you put there, and I need to live like that. Amen? Here's point number two. I choose short-term pain for long-term gain. Have you ever heard that sports cliche? No pain, no gain. gain. Exactly. Anybody go work out? (coughs) All right, we have a healthy church here. Amen. No pain, no gain, right? And and, and when you exercise, if you go out and run, you know you're going to suffer. If not today, tomorrow. You will feel it in your back, in your legs. You go lift weights tomorrow, you're going to feel it in your chest or whatever it is you do. No pain, no gain. That's life. Your relationship with your spouse today, with your loved one, if there is no pain in there, you won't have any gain. In other words... It takes sacrifice sometimes. It takes submitting. It takes obedience. It takes loving sometimes when you don't want to do it. But you're looking to the long-term relationship aspect of it. You're, you're saying, okay, I'm going to get past this moment right now. I'm going to pretend he didn't say that to me. Or I'm going to pretend she didn't uh, say that to me as well. And I'm going to move on. And I'm going to choose to forgive her. Because of long-term gain. Amen? No pain, no gain. And if you've played sports for any length of time, you know that's a true analogy. But this is true in every aspect. Relationships, you know, marriage, in work. Work relationships as well. Anna and I work extremely hard at it. Uh, We're not perfect. Our, Our girls will tell you that. But they never, ever see us have a argument uh, in front of them, or if we do have a disagreement, we will take it behind closed doors, and and we were just talking about this yesterday. the The way we work at it in our relationship is that if we have an issue, uh, we will never compromise each other. In other words, there's a respect line that she won't cross and I won't cross. There are things that we would never say to each other because how many know once you say something. You can never take it back. It echoes in that person's mind once you say it. And I don't care how many times you say, dear, I'm sorry. Dear, I'm going to go buy you a dozen roses. Dear, I'm going to take you out to a nice Italian dinner restaurant tonight. doesn't make up for it. They will still hear those words, right? Okay, quit hitting your neighbor. Quit hitting your spouse. But the important thing is, for me and Anna, we know that line and we respect that line. So it's work. It's work. And no pain, no gain. And because of that, we, I believe God has blessed our marriage because of that. Because we have respect for each other. I know how to treat her. She knows how to treat me. And more importantly, my daughters see that. They see that that's how a husband is supposed to treat his wife. That's how a wife is supposed to treat her husband. That's the most important thing to me. It's not my, necessarily my relationship with my wife. It's what my kids see. And so... Um, it's a blessing in my relationship, don't get me wrong. I love my wife, but I want to make sure my daughters see that so that when somebody comes into their life that I will inspect and that I will give the once-over, I will approve of that, and they will treat my daughters like a princess because if they can't, they don't have any business spending any time with them. Amen? Amen. 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 Anyways, choosing short-term pain for long-term gain. 
The world tells us this right now. You got to have it. You got to have it. Instant gratification, right? You got to have it now. You got to have that new car, the new TV, um, the new refrigerator, the two things we bought last year, the new refrigerator and the new TV. Oh, we did have to have them. We're going out. Our refrigerator went out. I didn't have a smart TV and got them. And you know what? If, if I'm not careful, I'll go out and uh, I'll go buy the newest gadget of everything. I'll go buy a, a new computer. I'll go every month, every time I go to Best Buy or Fry's. That's what the world teaches you. Go out and get the newest thing. Rather than investing for the long term, investing for saving that money for your retirement. I've heard Wayne share that. And they're doing great. They're doing fine because of what they did long term. Amen? And so we got to be careful of that instant gratification in our life. Excuse me. <coughs> so the world, again, tells us you need it now. You don't need it now. If you're in debt today, it's because of your failure to, to say no to instant gratification. It's your fault. It's your consequence to a choice. Amen? It's, we all have those choices. And, and that's the situation. Thank you, my dear brother. Appreciate that. That's the situation our government sees itself in. Why are we trillions of dollars in debt? Because they spend too much money. And I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. That's a fact. Amen. Now, how many would agree with me this morning that the right thing to do is not necessarily the easy thing to do? Amen. The right thing to do is not necessarily the easy thing to do. And I think that's, that's always been true in life. And sometimes, going back to our relationships with our spouses, sometimes we need to say, um, Anna, will you forgive me? Honey, will you forgive me? Rather than, well, she knew she was wrong. She didn't need to say that. He knew he was wrong. Why did he say that? Um, step up and be the bigger person and say, I choose to forgive you. And watch God bless that relationship. Sometimes doing the right thing isn't easy. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it'll, it's a sacrifice. And you have to do it for what's best for you. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 11 and verse 25 said this. Moses chose to be, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He chose to be mistreated. Now, how did he choose to be mistreated? Do you remember? When he, he, one day the Bible tells us that he saw a, a slave getting beaten. Remember that? He saw a slave getting beaten. And here he was raised in the Pharaoh's household with the best of the best. He was a man in authority. He had been given everything he needed. And then he pulled this man off. And the Bible says he beat him, killed him, buried him in the sand so that no one would see him. And the very next day, he saw another slave being beaten and the Hebrew that was being or one of the Hebrew Israelites that saw this going on said what are you going to do kill him too and he's like oh my goodness they know they know that he had killed an Egyptian and he feared for for his life so the Bible says he took off into the desert and, and that's where the rest of another journey began another 40 year period of his life began so this is what, what, what the Bible is describing when Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. You see, he could have 
gone up and contested that and said, Pharaoh, I never did such a thing. They're lying. And he probably would have believed them. But he said, no, I am now going to identify with the true heritage that I have, which is the Israelites, and I'm going to identify them and suffer with them, alongside with them, because he could no longer endure seeing all the hardship they were going through. That short-term pain for long-term gain is what Moses was going through right there. Did you know that your Christian life is not determined by a bunch of do's and don'ts? Your, your Christian life isn't, you got to do this, you got to do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. It has nothing to do with that, your Christian life. Your life is determined by choosing the right thing to do. That's a sign of maturity. Anybody have kids here? You know, or have nephews, nieces? When you see them doing the right thing to do, all that tells you is, wow, they're maturing. They're maturing. You can't expect a, a two-year-old, Ines, who's not even two yet, to, to, to uh, behave like her older sister, Yesha, who's how old? Nine. It's just not possible. But you do expect a nine-year-old to behave like a nine-year-old. That's a sign of maturity. So again, that's what the Lord's looking at. Am I maturing? Am I being obedient to Him? That's a sign, a level of maturity. Amen? Short-term pain for long-term gain. The question I want to ask you right now is, where do you need to start accepting responsibility for your life? Where do you need to start accepting responsibility? In other words, are, are you still, or are you at the point where you're blaming people for, for where you're at today? Are you blaming people for your unhappiness? Are you still blaming and pointing fingers at a situation that occurred years ago or maybe yesterday? Because if the Lord chose to forgive you, how much more should you forgive a situation or somebody? Amen? How much more should we do that? We need to choose short-term pain for long-term gain. We need to say, Lord, help me to deal with that process of forgiving maybe my spouse, maybe, maybe uh, my, my, my cousin, maybe my brother, maybe my sister. Lord, help me to process that so that I can receive total forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Because if you don't, I promise you, I promise you, that bitterness, that, that hate, that unforgiveness turns into bitterness, which turns into hate. And you will not go past that point in your spiritual life. You will remain stuck there. God will not be able to advance you because you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. You have to sow forgiveness, amen? And God will bless you, amen? Listen to this. You are happy as you choose to be today. Happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice. So is being close to God. It's a choice. You can choose to be close to God or you can choose not to be. If you're not close to God, you chose not to be close to Him. It's that simple. It's that simple. If you are not close to God, you chose not to be close to Him. And then here finally, yes, we are products of our past, but we're not prisoners of our past. Amen? Yeah. We're products of our past. In other words, our past has shaped us, molded us into who we are today, but we're not prisoners of that past. It should not have power over you today. We need to let that past go so you can function in your destiny for the future. Amen? Living your life in pur on purpose 
has to involve letting go of the past and being who you are, who God created you to be today and going forward. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, and I'm going to go to point number three. I'll go through these real quickly. Number three is choose God's values, not the world's. Choose God's values, not the world's. Because this is what Moses did as he made his choice looking forward. And I want to read that scripture to you in Hebrews 11.26. Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. What are the most important values in your life? As you contemplate that, what are the most important values values in your life? Because if you don't know what those values are, let me tell you, the world and society is going to shape them and tell you what they should be. If you don't know what they are, the world will tell you. The news will tell you what they should be. And, you know, the news, uh, I don't even go there. News is, is so, the media is so corrupt nowadays. I don't listen to it. I take a piece of this and that from all these channels, and then you you got to form your own conclusion on what the news is. Amen? You can't just listen to one channel, and, and that's gospel. you got to take the news and then, and then listen to that and use wisdom to decipher what's going on. But the values of this world are not lined up with what your value should be as a believer. How many know that? Amen. What are those values of the world? Well, here's some real quickly. Popularity. Starts in school. Starts when you're a young, young little kid. Popular. Everybody wants to be that popular kid. Nobody wants to be the, the, the nerd. Nobody wants to be the last little kid that's never picked for sports. Or, you know, nobody wants to not be the cheerleader or the jock. You know, everybody wants to grow up to be popular, right? And those are typically some of the popular ways. Popu- popularity. Pleasure is another value of the world. Possessions. Now, are any of those eternal? No. None of those are eternal. All those things will burn and dry up and go away. None of those are eternal. They're, they're, they're great things to have. Now, don't get me wrong. If God has blessed you to have possessions, pleasure, popularity, that's great. But don't let that be your goal. Don't let that be the value that drives you as a believer because that's contrary to what God's plan is for your life. Amen? See, Moses had all those things available to him. When you said the name Moses, everybody knew, oh yeah, Moses, he lives and serves in the Pharaoh's court. I know who that man is. He was a man of power, popularity. He had all those things available to him, but he forsook them and he gave them up and said, when he finally, in my words, he came to his senses and realized, this isn't what God's plan is for my life. I need to start acting upon the plan that God has for my life. And he forsook all that. It would have been real easy to say, um, it's all good here. I'm in Beverly Hills. I got my mansion up here on the hillside. Yeah, I got my cars. In fact, I got six cars here in my garage there. Which one you want to take for a ride, Dan? Today I got the Jaguar. I got the Benz. Which one? The Rolls Royce. The Maserati. You know, I've got three wives here. I've got four girlfriends. And I've got all that. All the pleasures, right? And possessions. Anything he wanted, he had. But he forsook all that. He said, no, I, I'm giving that up. I'm giving it up because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for the plan that God has for my life. Amen? Amen. 
Moses had those things available to him, but he knew that this was not in line with God's values for him and for what he should be doing. Now, now what are God's values? Verse 24, God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. Uh, it's great to be popular, but if, if that's damning my soul, uh, I'm going to end up in hell. Uh, it's not going to do me any good in hell. Amen? People are more, are more valuable than pleasure. People, people are more valuable than pleasure. Peace of mind is more valuable than possession. See, if I have all the possessions in the world because I went into debt and I can't sleep at night because I have no idea how I'm going to pay the bill when it comes in, is that peace of mind? No. God wants to give you peace of mind. God wants desperately to have you have peace of mind. Amen? See, vision sets values. Vision. How many here had a vision this year of you said in your mind, whether they were resolutions or not, maybe goals, maybe you wanted to do some things differently this year. You wanted to take your family on more vacations. You want to spend more quality time together. Maybe you wanted to draw closer to your spouse this year. You're you're committed to doing that. Whatever it is, it starts with a vision. Vision drives values. Vision drives values. It does in the world, and it also does here spiritually. What you are looking at, what you are looking at determines where or what you are going to value. I'm sorry. What you are looking at determines what you are going to value. So remember that as we choose God's values, not the world's. Choose God's values, not the world's. And point number four, choose to live by faith not by fear. It would have been very easy for the mother of Moses as she was pushing that basket off into the Nile River. And the Nile River wasn't like the Napa River or wasn't some little river. It was a big flowing river filled with alligators or, or crocodiles and, and um, all sorts of wildlife. And here she was pushing off her baby, her three-month-old baby. I, you know, we can't imagine. But here... She chose to live by faith, not by fear. I'm sure she was, okay, Lord, you got this. I'm going to trust you at this moment, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am trusting you at this moment as she pushed that basket off onto the Nile River. I held my grandson this, this Friday, uh, my baby boy grandson that's only two weeks old, two and a half weeks old now, Adea Ricardo. I really love his middle name. But anyways... Um, he, I, I can't imagine pushing a brand new baby out on a basket onto the Nile River. I can't imagine that. And here I know she was filled with faith. She was filled with faith, not by fear. The scripture says in Hebrews 11 and verse 27, By faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Moses also did not have fear. When he took off, he actually left with faith. He, I said earlier, he, he must have feared when he, when he found out that the Egyptians or that the Hebrews knew that he had killed a slave. Well, how many know that during this time, he was approximately 40 years old because the Bible dealt with Moses 40 years 40 years spans at a time. The first 40 years were in Egypt. Then he spent another 40 years out 
with his father-in-law Laban. Then he came back, and then for 40 years he, he dealt with the uh, children of Israel. But anyways, during that time as he's growing up, you know he was taught the ways of, of the Israelites, right? His mother raised them in the Pharaoh's court. His mother nursed them and raised them. And he, he was starting to have an identity crisis. He longed to identify with his people. He longed for that because he, he heard the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm sure his mother taught those things to him. And yet he struggled being raised in the Pharaoh's court as well, having all the possessions, the pleasures, and everything available to him. And so it was at that defining moment when he could not stand it any longer, he killed that Egyptian, buried him in the sand. He's realizing, I can't hold back any longer. I need to go and live my purpose the way God designed me to live. It took him 40 years. How long has it taken you? It took him 40 years. Here's Moses, one of the greatest men of the Bible. It took him 40 years. By faith, Moses stood toe-to-toe with the most powerful man on the planet at that time, Pharaoh, demanded his people to go, to be released. Amen? He stood toe-to-toe. And, the, and you got to check this out. Moses, the Bible says, was possibly a stutter or a man of slow speech, the Bible says. So here he was. Pharaoh, you got to let my, my, my people go. Or something to that effect. And that's why the Lord also brought his brother Reuben to help him. Reuben was a help to him. Did you know that? Actually, it was Aaron. It was Aaron. And I'm just saying that with my brother Reuben back there. But he used his brother Aaron to help him in that process. And so Moses chose to not live by fear. He chose to live by faith. Amen. He told Pharaoh that he was going to take all of the Hebrew people with him. He said, I'm, I'm taking them with me. And you know the story how the Lord had to send all these different plagues. And finally until the last plague where he killed the firstborn of all the Egyptians. And those that didn't have the blood applied on their doorposts. The angel of death swept in there and killed the oldest son. The oldest one. And it wasn't until that plague hit that, uh, that the Lord... Uh, or that Pharaoh released all the Egyptians. Great, great story. Great, great story. But faith was what Moses chose to live by. Amen? Amen. See, the, the closer we get to God, the less fear we have. Amen. Have you ever seen that happen in your life? The closer you get to God, the less fear you have. When you're away from God, everything can become fearful. Yeah, life can become fearful sometimes. Uh, there's people that... I, what's this phobia called? I forget. Where they, they can't even leave their house. I forget the name of the phobia. They can't even, I think it's agoraphobia, where they can't even leave their house. They're afraid to step out into society. They get, it's, it's obviously a psychological problem that they have, but that's fear. That person needs to draw closer to the Lord. I'm telling you right now, they need to draw closer to the Lord. Amen. If you feel fear stepping into your life, you need to rebuke that in the name of Jesus and declare faith in, your, in its place. Amen? So here recently, well, actually yesterday um, and, and then the past couple days with the inauguration, with the marches going around in our country, and not only in our country, but in the world that are making a, 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 a stand, if, if you allow yourself... You can become fearful. 
You, there, there's a lot of people that are living in fear right now at this time. How many know that? They're living in fear because of uncertain times. And, and that's because, you know why? It's very simple. They're not putting their trust on the one who's on the throne. See, if I put my trust in our administration, I'd be shaking in my boots too, right? I'd be shaking in my boots if that's who I put my trust in. But thank God I don't put my trust in, 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 in some administration. I put my trust in the Lord. Now, can the Lord bless that administration? Yes. The Lord can, can do amazing things. If the Lord can take care of a little baby in the Nile, I'm sure he can take care of our situation here. You know, he can take care of all of us. But my point is, we can live in fear as individuals. And the Lord did not design you to live in fear. He, he designed you to live by faith. Choose to trust him. Amen? Choose to trust him. We need to stand up in faith and proclaim our faith and stand in our, in our uh, Redeemer. Amen? Because he is our strength. He is our deliverer. Amen. And then, how do I keep these goals? So how do I keep these resolutions, Pastor Rick? How do I do that? Well, number one is, you got to be plugged in. you you got to be consistent in church. Uh, I, I can't comfort you and encourage you if I never see you. Um, I, if I call you or you don't return my call, or if I text you and you never return my text, I can't encourage you. People here in the church can't encourage you. So show up. Be here. Come Wednesday nights. Come Wednesday nights. We have a great old time. Um, Can I just share this on on this past Wednesday? I'll just share this. We had canceled Wednesday night Bible study because I sent out a text to everybody that normally comes. I said, hey, we're going to cancel. The weather was really coming down that day. How many remember? It was pouring. And uh, I wanted everybody to just stay home, stay dry, and don't get out in the rain. And and all of a sudden, about 7 o'clock, uh, all of a sudden I see Garland and May pull up. And, and I'm going, well, praise God, this is a divine appointment. Because I knew that right away. I didn't text them because they had been coming. And he tells me, well, we want to start coming. I said, great. So, so I said, come on in. Come on in. Let's come into the house. We were there. We were just chilling at home. And, and so we had a divine appointment. We got to speak into their life. For that divine appointment, it was just us, one-on-one, me and Anna and Garland and May, and God specifically designed that moment for us to bond together. And that's getting support. That's what I'm talking about right now, getting support. See, they could have easily said, ah, it's raining, uh, let's, I don't want to get out there. When they stopped and they pulled up, it started dumping down, it started coming down, and all of a sudden we're in the house, and the, you could hear the rain pounding on the house. They even looked around going, what was that? You could hear the rain coming down. So um, we had a divine appointment, and we were able to give them support and just encourage them. And uh, it's a great reminder that that doesn't happen unless you show up. Everybody say, show up. Show up. It's that easy. Just show up. We have the saying at, at my workplace that the hardest thing is, is just showing up. Just show up. That's the hardest thing because, you know, you get people that, you know, uh, abuse their vacation, abuse their sick time and all that. That's in any workplace. Our adage is just show up. If you show up, we can do things, right? Amen. So here's the other thing to that is to getting support. You know, every one of us here this year, we will probably face a crisis of some sort at some point. I mean, that's just life, right? That's just life. Um, you know, our brother, Brother Ed, who passed away, 
you know, he had been battling that and battling that, and that was a crisis that he had been dealing with by faith. And now, now Sister Betty has to, has to heal, and that process has to take place. And I'm not saying someone here may pass away, but we don't know. None of us have tomorrow promised, not one of us. And so whatever crisis that may be, just remember, your church family is here to support you. Your church family is here to raise you up, to speak into your life, to encourage you. We're here for each other, amen? amen? And if you're sick, if you come down with a sickness, let us know so that we can come and feed you, amen? We can come and prepare some meals for you. We can come and bless you with some carne asada or some enchiladas, right? Or better yet, some señorita bread and some lumpia. Yeah, I love that stuff. But we're, we're all in this together, amen? amen? See, if you have this support system in place, it's a net. Anybody that does a trapeze act, they have a net under them unless they're really crazy. They have a net that's going to catch them. So we need to have that net to catch us in case we need that. All of us need a net. I need a net. We all need a net. Amen? Hebrews chapter, 20, chapter 10 and verses 24 and 25 say this. This is out of a, a different version. Um, it's a paraphrased version. But it says this. Let us be concerned for one another and help one another show love. And do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage each other. That's actually the commandment to, to be in church. To show up when the doors are open, be there. Um, to, to, to encourage each other to meet together. Amen? Amen? And then the other point on how do I keep my resolutions? How do I keep these goals? Well, ask and expect God for help. Are you asking God? You know, there's a scripture that says, if you ask not, you receive not, right? It's that simple. You knock on the door, he will answer. That's right. If you don't knock on the door, guess what? He ain't going to answer. It's that simple. So ask and expect God to help. Isaiah 50 and verse 7 says the following, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be dismayed. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do his will. And I know that I will triumph. When I look to the Lord, when I expect him to help me, he will. Amen. Focus on God. Have faith in God. No matter what that crisis may be, no matter what that challenge, no matter what that resolution that you set your heart on for this year, whatever it is, because Moses, as we said, as we saw, he did the same thing. He saw, set his faith on the God that was invisible, the scripture said. He set his faith in place and said, I'm going to walk by faith. And God blessed them because of that. Amen. Now, I want you to, I want you to focus on these four things for this coming year. Amen. I want us to read these together. And they're on your outline there at the bottom of your outline. But let's read number one and through four. Let's read number one. Refuse to be defined by others. Number two, I choose short-term pain for long-term gain. Number three, choose God's values, not the world's. And number four, choose to live by faith, not by fear. That is something that will keep you in bondage, if, especially the fear. If you live in fear, that will, that will keep you in bondage. I don't know about you, but I don't like bondage. I don't like to be wrapped up like this. I, I do not like it. I want to be free like a bird. And the Lord wants you to be like that too. And so 
Choose to focus on these four things this year, and I believe it will go well with you, especially if you've committed, made some goals for, the, for yourself this year, and God will bless you. Amen? Amen. How many receive that this morning? Amen. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray and let's close this morning. Father God, again, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you remind us constantly that we should walk by faith, not by sight. Lord, not only that, but we need to put our complete trust in you. Lord, we can look at the world today. We can look at our country and see a fractured nation, a divided nation. And, and that's not something that happened just this week. It's been that way for many years, Lord. And we pray, Father, that, God, we would not walk in fear, that we would put our trust in you that sits on the throne because, Lord, you are the one that controls everything that we see, everything that we uh, look upon, Lord. And, Father, you put those in authority in place, and you remove those from authority that will not do your will as, as well. So we pray, Father, that you would grant us a spirit of peace, not of fear, that, Lord, that you would grant us a spirit of overcoming, Lord, throughout this year, no matter what may come our way, Father, that we would use these four challenges, these four resolutions to live our life this year. So we pray that for every person here, those that couldn't be here, Lord, whether they hear this later on the Internet, online. Father, I pray, God, your blessing upon them. And we thank you for this very morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen, amen and amen.